As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Since well before Victor Hugo looked up at Notre Dame and thought, huh, what if a hunchback lived in there? Authors have been inspired by Paris. Welcome to the Storytime in Paris podcast on Paris Underground Radio, where we keep that tradition alive by showcasing an author with a French connection in each episode. Every episode will feature five questions asked by you, our author's biggest fans, and answered live on air. Then our authors will treat us to a reading of an excerpt from their book. Who knows? Maybe you'll even be inspired to write your own great French novel. I'm your host, Jennifer Garrity. My guest this week is Chloe Lodge. Chloe is a globally renowned, award-winning storyteller photographer who recently shared her love affair with the photographic medium in her book, For the Love of the Photograph. She plays with light and color and shadows in beautiful and evocative ways. She artfully nudges you into seeing familiar things with a completely new perspective. Chloe is British, but I met her in Paris nearly a decade ago. Since then, she's lived in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, Dubai, the Seychelles, back in Dubai again, and she currently lives deep in the Hakataramia Valley of New Zealand on a sheep, beef, and deer farm. In addition to her book, Chloe's created a companion journal to go with for the love of the photograph. She's also developed a 12-week course called The Atelier. So, please allow me to introduce Chloe Lodge, author of For the Love of the Photograph. Hello, Chloe. Welcome. Hi, Jennifer. It's so good to see you. <laughs> you too. I know, across the world. I know. Can you start off by telling us a little bit about who you are and what your book is and maybe why you wrote it? Yeah, absolutely. Well, well, firstly, thank you for inviting me on. My pleasure. It's really amazing to see you. Um, the first time we met was, what, a decade ago? And um, yeah, my name is Chloe Lodge. I am a photographer. I, I kind of like photographer, try, try it all sort of person. I'm um, definitely creative, fit under the creative sort of banner. I've always been into art and painting and sculpture and all the things. And then about a decade ago, maybe 12 years ago, I decided that photography was a career path I wanted to go down. So I was very fortunate enough to um, retrain. And 
actually, after a couple of years of retraining, I, I then kind of fell into family photography, did some weddings and some births. And I did client work for sort of eight years. But after about a couple of years after I retrained, I had this burning desire to write a photography book. And I'm not really sure why, but it was in there. And it took about six or seven years to come about. It's called For the Love of a Photograph. And I wrote it two, about two years ago now. It's a, I like to call it a little pocket rocket. It's basically um, totally underestimatable. That's totally not a word. Um, but basically, it's, it's little. I designed it to be little. I wanted it to be something to be with people, um, they could put it in their camera bag, leave it in the glove box. It's really accessible. You pick it up and it's just like a little book of prompts of maybe even stuff that you already know, but it's like, have you thought about this? Have you looked at the world like this today? Maybe try this and go easy on yourself because this stuff is hard. And all of those sort of little memory prompts for us as we kind of journey through this creative life. So that was published, yep, two years ago, I self-published that. And then six months after that, we created a creative journal, which is sort of its little sister buddy. It's exactly the same size. It has lots more prompts in it, but it also has space for your thoughts. So I sort of say the book is my vision of the world and a way to encourage you to look at the world, whereas the journal is a way of going you know, a space for your thoughts and your ideas and your dreams and your plans and all that sort of thing. So um, there's a lot more to what I do, but that's probably a good sum up. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. What is your connection to Paris? Okay, so Paris, Paris, oh, Paris. <laughs> um, it was, as I said, about 12 years ago, I realized that sitting in an office and doing a lot of the jobs that I'd previously done. I was in event management for quite a long time. I worked in the city for a while and then I went traveling. And then during my traveling time, I picked up a little camera and I started remembering all the reasons why I love taking photographs. And then I went back after traveling with no money. So I went back into an office environment and all of a sudden I was like, I can't do this anymore. Like my mind had been opened. I had the camera, the camera had come back into my life and I thought I need to but I was what was I 30 early 30s at that point and I thought I don't have time to go back and do a really long degree course I need to make this happen and I found this one year intensive course in Paris and through um, very very unfortunate life experiences I had the opportunity financially to be able to go on a course for a year and retrain and it was in Paris and it was amazing and uh, it was actually also the first year of our marriage piece of photography and it changed things for me uh, on so many levels and opened my mind to so many opportunities it was it was really amazing and I, I've been back a couple of times as you know since and it will always be a very special place in my heart and in my photography journey so that that's my connection. And we were lucky in that short time that you were here to have connected. Yeah. I'm very, very grateful that, you know, 10 years later, we're still in each other's lives, even if it's just intermittent yeah. across the world. I love that. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's really awesome. So I have some questions. I have five questions pulled from your fans and followers. Here's the first one. 
Do you remember the first photograph you ever took and how it made you feel? Wow. Well, that's a very interesting question. <laughs> um, because I did take a lot of pictures from an early age. I think I had a camera from, I don't know, I must have been like seven or eight. My dad was really into photography and I was really keen. So I got a very basic film camera. Uh, but I was taking lots of pictures at like, school trips and holidays and things like that. So in terms of the first picture I ever took, I can't really remember. But there is actually one picture that I remember taking. I must have been about 11 or 12. That was really transformational for me. And it's going to sound slightly strange. Um, but basically, it was a photograph. We were on holiday. I was away with my dad and my brother. We were in Wales. And I think I still have a copy of it somewhere. It was a sign that said, free range eggs. And it was surrounded by cows. And I thought, <laughs> I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> and I was like, that's really funny because it says free range eggs, but it's actually surrounded by cows. And I remember taking that picture and I would say that that was my first ever intentional photograph in terms of I saw a narrative, I saw a juxtaposition of life, and I basically wanted to capture it. And so I, I think back now to that was sort of a very kind of like pivotal image for me, even though it wasn't necessarily the first image I took, it was the first image I took as a storyteller. And I was, it was like so liberating because I saw it and I thought, do you know, I can take a picture and show the world how I see. And it's a little bit like comedy. You know, there's a, a famous quote, and I can't remember who said it was, well, it's funny because it's true. You know, and that's the thing about a lot of comedy. It's really that observational skill of seeing a situation, taking a moment, taking a step back and going, wow, let's just replay that and go, actually, that's quite funny. And if I stand on a stage or, or wherever or I write it down, other people are going to read that and they're going to be able to relate to it. It's going to trigger something for them. It's going to be a slice of history. It's going to be all of these things, but it's literally almost just replaying life. And I feel like that's what that picture did for me. It was, it was a moment when I went, wow, I can see this and I can see the comedy in it. And we're just driving along and, you know, somebody else might see it and not register it, but actually let's just put a pause on life and go, this is interesting. And this is funny. And that's really when, you know, for photography for me, that's basically what it is. That's really, it's an ability to go pause, rewind, pause, rewind, look at this, let's stay with it, let's find it funny, let's find it beautiful, let's find it interesting, let's see what it does for us. So yeah, that was basically, that was my first pivotal picture, I think, for sure. That's a great story. And you being able to to create something that you could say at this age, like now you can see what's going on in my brain. You can see my personality and my sense of humor through this image. Yeah, totally. Absolutely, 100%. Yeah. We'll be right back with Storytime in Paris after a word from our sponsors. While walking the streets of Paris, do curious details ever catch your eye? The city has a myriad of lieux cachés 
or hidden places, and we uncover the most intriguing ones on the Paris Cachet podcast. If you're keen to explore Paris on a deeper level, then join Paris Cachet host Lily Heisey and a cast of zany historical figures from queens to angry mobs as we traverse the city and the centuries on our quest to discover the surprising stories behind these lieux cachets. The Paris Cachet podcast is available every other Sunday on Paris Underground Radio. Visit parisundergroundradio.com slash pariscachet to listen and subscribe. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And now, back to story time in Paris. So then you, when you started studying, you did photojournalism and documentary style photos. And I have to imagine that there are a lot of rules and regulations about how this sort of thing works. So how were you able to get from this structured rule-based photography into a more creative path that you're doing now? Um. Through a lot of discomfort. <laughs> yes, I did. I trained as a photojournalist and the course that I was on, they were very, they're associated with Magnum and they basically push you to, in their dreamscape, they want you to be creating Magnum level photography. They want your work to be on the front of newspapers. And so there was a big push to have the story told constrained within one image with all the elements exactly like you say right strong you know there's no sort of room for that sort of creative light or color or anything like that it just doesn't have that place it doesn't have that you don't have that freedom because the 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 work that you're creating isn't for you it's for the viewer that's the thing and I, for a very, very long time, I carried that with me. I carried it with me in my client work. I carried it with me in in everything I did. Every time I picked up my, I call it my big camera, my DSLR, I felt that weight of needing to get it right. And it took me maybe four or five years to begin to even start peeling back those layers Unfortunately, in late 2015, early 2016, I got really, really sick. And actually, that was a really transformational time for me because it was a moment when I, it happened really, I was really fortunate, it came into my life really quickly, but it also sort of left my life really quickly. And I was very, very fortunate. And I'll always count my lucky stars for that. But it was definitely at that point where I sort of had that reflection time and I suddenly thought, but hang on a minute, I can actually do this for myself. Like I, I can pick up my camera for me and I can do the things that I want to do and take the pictures I want to take. Like who knew, <laughs> you know, and it was really, and it really took, it took me to go through that journey to start the process. And it again, it took me probably another three years 
to dip my toe, dip my toe, dip my toe, and then I just dived straight into the pond. And I basically have been swimming there ever since. And now, um, in terms of rules, I do take the occasional picture where I feel it definitely fulfills that rule, the construction and the, you know, all of those things. And there are still, even when, even in my most creative, I think about all four corners and I think about leading lines and I think about all of those things. But there are also times where I'm just like, I'm just going to shoot what I want and shoot how I feel and just go with it. So um, I feel, I feel in a really fortunate place now, 10 years later, I feel like I'm able to sort of jump either side of the fence. Um, I can go full on traditional constructed storytelling, or I can also totally free myself. So I'm sort of, I feel like in a very kind of freeing place in terms of being able to do both and merge them as well. So yeah, yeah. And in these past 10 years, you've lived in so many different places. And they've been places with really diverse cultures and customs. And so obviously, the subjects that you're photographing have changed. But do you find that the photos you take change according to where you are? Like how much does where you live influence your photography? Yeah, absolutely. I, I've, yeah, as you say, I lived in, we've lived in Asia, Southeast Asia, in the Middle East, in a small island off Africa, um, and now here in New Zealand. And, um, and yeah, and I trained in Paris. So it's actually almost impossible not to allow the existence of light and climate, weather, buildings, culture, everything. It's, it's impossible to stop that infiltrating. Um, you, you almost have to fight harder to stop it than to allow it in, if that makes any sense. And, um, and because I'm a go out into the world and capture the world type of photographer, even in my art, my creative work, I definitely feel like I've had to adapt and, and change. And some locations I found more challenging than others. The Middle East was a really, really hard time for me because the colors of the environment are a challenge for me because they're not the colors that I'm drawn to. There's so much light that it's really hard to actually move away from it. Um, and I love darkness in my image. I love that, again, as I talked about a little bit earlier with juxtaposition, I love the for me, it's that it needs the balance. It's almost like it's not 50-50 because sometimes it's all dark and a little bit of light and sometimes it's all light and a little bit of dark. But but for me, that darkness needs to be there. And actually in the Middle East, I found that really hard. Unless you were shooting black and white, I found that really challenging. And then, you know, and then things like you've got, you know, the moisture and all sorts of all sorts of elements. And yes, absolutely. And also in terms of, you know, what you have access to in terms of people in terms of landscape, in terms of subject. Um, sometimes you have lots of people around you. So doing portraits is, you know, pretty easy and accessible because there are people around you. Whereas now we live in a place where there aren't that many people <laughs> and um, there are lots of sheep and cows and beautiful mountains. So yeah, it's a case of needing to adapt. And, and I find that there are lots of elements of a creative life that are challenging. So I kind of go through and I try and tick off. I like to talk about my worry list. I'm like, I can't worry at the moment. I can't take lots of pictures of people. I just, because there's nothing I can do about it. So I just have to tick it off and go, 
I'm going to embrace what I've got, you know, or you kind of go, and I'm the same with technical things, you know, I'm like, well, I would love to be shooting with that kind of lens, but I don't have that kind of lens. So I'm just going to embrace the kind of lens that I do have. Well, I would love to take pictures at this time of day, but at this time of day, I'm feeding my children and putting them in bed and doing, you know, so I can't do that. So I embrace the time that I can shoot. And and that's another thing I talk about in my book, particularly with social media, we can spend a lot of time looking at other people's work and thinking, oh, but my dream is to capture golden hour every single day on the beach. Well, I live in the mountains and at golden hour, my children need to be fed and put to bed. Like, so I'm just like, I can't beat myself up about the fact that I, you know, I just have to let it go and just go, what can I do right now today for five minutes to express myself, to scratch that creative itch and just do something and take that step forward. And really, that's how I've learned to keep moving forward in my art and keep moving forward no matter where we are in the world, no matter what stage I'm at as a mother, as a wife, as a professional photographer. It's sort of the way that I just keep moving forward because the minute you stop moving forward is the minute that you put your camera down and you do something else. And I don't want to ever do that. So um, you can find your ways to keep moving forward. Excellent life philosophy. (laughs) Yeah. Well, exactly. It's the same with you can apply it to everything, you know, exercise, you can apply it to diet. It's, It's exactly sort of how... Being okay every day um, takes work and just takes a little bit of slowing down. And it's exactly like the current situation with the pandemic and that sort of thing. It's just like sometimes you just have to go, this is what I have. This is this is today. What can I do today and move forward? So, yeah. I want to ask you about the writing process because you're used to shooting photographs, you're used to having this image tell your story, the adage, you know, a picture is worth a thousand words. So was it difficult to then turn around and have to write those thousand words? How did you find the the writing process? Yeah, I, it's interesting, because I was never particularly good at writing growing up at school, it was never really a strong point. I never considered myself a storyteller of you know any any sort really and it was really a case of I think it was a sort of transition point when I'd started teaching photography and I had all of these things that I wanted to share that was sort of it wasn't about describing what was in the image it was basically sort of supporting the image and taking people's thoughts beyond the image really and as I was writing Instagram captions and people were resonating with what I was saying through my captions as much as my images and then people started telling me that and then I did a takeover for a big account and I was sharing all these things and and you know it was sort of triggering for a lot of people and I and I got to the point where I was like I don't want this stuff to be falling into this vortex of digital vortex. I want it to be with people. And so I just started carving out the time. And I just said to myself, this is something I want to do. It's something I've been wanting to do for a while. And I just had to say to myself, on Tuesdays is my writing day. And I found places that I felt comfortable. They were often outside of my own home because it's really hard to write. I'm sure you find the same. You sort of need to take yourself out of your norm almost to not have to worry about putting the dog out or doing the washing or whatever. So I would take myself, I found a cafe that I loved to write in when no one knew me. And I just went and I just started and I just, 
I just really started putting down what I had in my mind. It was really nothing more than that. And then I read this amazing thing recently. It was on one of Austin Cleon newsletters. It was a playwright that basically said, the way I do it is I just write the script. It doesn't matter what it is. It could be the worst thing in the world. And then the next morning I wake up and then it's written. And then basically all I have to do is edit it. And it was one of those moments and I read that and that was, I actually read that after I wrote the book. And I thought, yeah, that's exactly what it is because actually writing it and starting on that page is the hardest thing. But actually editing that, editing even your own work, even if you just said the cat sat on the mat, to be able to then go back and go, oh, well, how can I say that? What do I really want to say? So that's sort of what I did, really. I just carved out the time. And actually, then I also hired someone to help me because I'm not very good at the layout. So I hired someone to help me do the layout. And she was on quite a strict deadline in terms of what time she could do. That was amazing. Because she kept saying to me, I need the next chapter by two weeks time. And I was like, oh, right. Okay, well, I've got a deadline now. So I actually need to get it done. And so that was a really, again, a really important part of the process, because I have this idea for my next book, and I just can't seem to like, get it done. I can't seem to get myself sat down and actually doing it, because I have no deadline, I have no structure. So um, until I create a structure for myself, in whatever form that is, it might not actually happen. So I definitely think that's part of it. And also just being kind to myself in terms of feeling like I wanted to start writing, but not give myself this label of I'm a writer, I'm an author, I'm a this, I'm, I'm just, I just wanted to create a vessel for my images and my words. And that happened to form in the form of a book, the rest is sort of comes. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. So my last question for you, how do you feel you've grown since writing this book? And what would you add to it knowing oh, what you know now? That's so interesting. I love that question. Because actually, I keep thinking that, you know, as any creative, we sort of look back and we're all feeling critical of our work. And we, we kind of go, oh, well, if I was to do it again, I would use this picture, or I would rewrite this. And I really want to add this. And um I've grown in so many ways in terms of self-belief and acknowledging. I've always had this sense that if there's something you want to do, you should just really just try it, even if it doesn't work out and you decide that actually longer term, it's not something you want to do again. Or, you know, like we were talking about earlier, you might not even finish it, but just start. You know, it's a little bit like kids with food. It's like, just try this little bit of food because you might be missing out. <laughs> you might love it. It might be the only thing that you want to eat for a very long time. So just try it. I've always held that belief of just giving <laughs> everything a go. My father brought me up to his one of his favorite sayings was only the brave deserve the fair. So I've always had that kind of like, I just need to be brave and try things. So actually having created it, I feel like that little bit braver. And I feel that it's not as, in some ways, it's not as monumental as, I mean, it is monumental, but it's also not as monumental as we build up in our minds. Like, you know, there are lots of people in the world that write books, and there are lots of books out in the world that only sell two copies or 100 copies or, and there are lots of books that sell 5 million. You know, I've, relatively speaking, I actually haven't sold that many books. I've sold maybe 1,200 books, which in the grand scheme of things is not that many. 
but I feel like it's a really big achievement because I've done it all myself. I've self-published it. Like I came up with the idea. I took the pictures. I wrote the book. I found someone to design it. I put it together. I found the printer. Like, you know, every step of the way has been from me and I sold it without any help or anything. I mean, obviously help from my community has been amazing, but in terms of professional help of people that know what they're doing in this, in this realm you know so I'm I'm okay with it and I feel comfortable with it and and I definitely have this sense that it's almost I would love to sell more copies absolutely but I also don't have this sense that I want it to be a best bestseller necessarily because I kind of almost feel like it was my first baby book baby and you know and maybe another book or you know that next it will have bigger wings, <laughs> stronger wings. I feel like, you know, this first one was me giving it a go and and saying to myself, it's possible. So I definitely have that sense of now I look at so many things and say, okay, this is possible. Maybe you could do another one or, you know, or not or whatever. Um, but I sort of feel like it's one of those life tick boxes that I feel like I've done and I feel a great sense of achievement. And not only that, I think the fundamental part of it that I love the most is how it's helped people and how it's taken on an existence of its own. And I have people say to me, I keep my copy on my bedside table. And I always feel like your bedside table is like a kind of prize place where you only keep the things that really matter to you and you actually want to look at every day or on a regular basis. You know, or they say, oh, it's at my desk, or they say to me that they've read it three times, or when they're feeling lost, they read it, and all, all of those things. That was one of my dreams, and to hear people say that that's actually the reality is just amazing. I don't think I would do it differently, because it was really what I had access to, like I was saying. I didn't, I didn't know how it was going to look, so I couldn't approach a publisher you know, so I was like, I just had to do it myself, because I had no idea how it was going to evolve but there are definitely things that I would love to do slightly differently sort of next time I maybe consider doing okay this is a limited run um, a little bit like Sig Harvey does with her books or maybe try and approach a publisher would be amazing as well just to give it that you know break its own glass ceiling I feel there's a little bit of a glass ceiling I've created for it because I do it myself but I definitely wouldn't do it if I went back I wouldn't do it any differently because I didn't know any different you don't know what you don't know until you know <laughs> I have grown enormously and I'm so grateful to have been able to do it and I every so often I look at my book and, and I actually read it myself because I know another reason why I wrote it was actually I was in a really, really good place creatively. And I know that I'm not always in a really, really good place creatively. And it was almost like part of me, they say, you know, write the book you want to read. Well, I basically wrote the book that I, I knew I needed at the times when I felt creatively lost. So there are definitely times where I'm, you know, it's like, just go back and read the words because it's like myself telling myself that it's okay. And just to think about things differently and slow down and not, because again, with social media, you see so much work and all these people doing all of these things. And you're like, oh, what should I do? I need to create the next best thing or the new thing or the, you know, this, that or the other. And it's like, well, no, you just need to like slow down and go, what did I see today that made me fall in love with my life all over again? 
that's all you need to do and start there. And that's really what my book is all about and what actually says that. I think that's a quote from my book. I love that. We'll be right back with an excerpt after a word from our sponsors. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And now, back to Storytime in Paris. Find your distance. As you tell your story, you will begin to find out more about yourself. Personality traits reflecting back at you from your images and prints. You will learn about your comfort zones, your need for personal space, and how you love to see the world. These are all signposts into finding your own vision. Simply start, then when you're ready, push through those boundaries and get damned uncomfortable. Storytelling can be broken down into three simple perspectives. If one of those are you, then throw yourself headfirst in and own it. If you love to shoot a variety, this can be just as awesome and a perfect way to tell a rounded, comprehensive story. Tell your where by shooting wide. Open landscapes, vistas, big skies, big world images. Fill your frame with information or pair it back with negative space. Tell your who by shooting in context. Place your subject within the framework which supports their story a vendor in their shop, or your mum in her kitchen. Tell your what by shooting details. This is your chance to get up close, seek out textures, and tell tales of life. Capture faces, hands, feet, or details in nature. Get close and love on them all. Photography is a process of elimination. As you begin to wear your... I'm a photographer, badge with pride, whether it's as a hobbyist or in a professional capacity, picture-taking can quickly become overwhelming. When you start, the enthusiasm to shoot everything in sight feels unending, but there will come a time when you need to catch your breath to start really knowing what it is you're drawn to. And this is where the process of elimination begins. To know what you don't want to take pictures of will help you focus on what you do. That said, I also believe nothing is set in stone. Maybe you will come back to the things you're saying no to now, but by eliminating things, even temporarily, it will allow you to focus on the story you are telling and not get blinded or blocked. 
Find your muse. Have you ever looked at the great masters and wondered how they got so darn good at their craft? Well, apart from the years of hard graft, almost all of them worked with a muse. They had the one person or thing that totally stole their heart. The love was deep, the obsession sometimes unhealthy, but believe me, the combination of artist and muse is a powerful one. You can tell your story through them. You can fine-tune your vision, embrace your experimental journey and expose the depth of your love. Remember to always cherish their beauty and revere their soul. Allow their light to shine through you and into the hearts of your viewers. Watch the magic unfold. So can you tell us where we can buy this beautiful book of yours? Where can we find it? Where can we find you? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I spend uh, an unhealthy amount of time on Instagram. Um, <laughs> my handle is Chloe Lodge Photographer. And my book handle is For the Love of the Photograph. And my book is available on my website, fortheloveofthephotograph.com. It's in a few stores as well, but mostly here in New Zealand. So I believe very much in artist to artist. So a lot of the reason why I created a book was because I wanted to feel that flow of energy and connection um, rather than kind of like putting it through any big distributor and that sort of thing. So yeah, it's um, for the love of the photograph.com. I have a website, chloelodge.com. And I'm on Facebook. I'm pretty easy to find as Chloe Lodge. And yeah, so lots of places. <laughs> but mostly Instagram. That's that's where I post daily, pretty much, particularly on Chloe Lodge Photographer. I'm doing a daily project at the moment to document the first year of our life where we've just moved to. Um, so I'm posting on there on a fairly regular basis. Lots of landscapes at the moment. But yeah. All good. <laughs> thank you so much, Chloe. It was so lovely to talk to you. Really, thank you so much. No, thank you, Jennifer. It was just amazing to catch up. That's, um, hopefully, we'll be able to do it again in person soon. Yes, hopefully, hopefully very soon. <laughs> yes. <laughs> thank you to Chloe Lodge for being such a wonderful guest. You can find Chloe on Instagram at Chloe Lodge Photographer and at For the Love of the Photograph. Her book is available on her website at fortheloveofthephotograph.com. I'm your host, Jennifer Garrity, and you can find me on all socials at Jennyphoria, J-E-N-N-Y-P-H-O-R-I-A, and on my website, jennyphoria.com. Storytime in Paris was produced by me at Paris Underground Radio. For more information on this show and shows like it, please go to parisundergroundradio.com. Thank you for listening. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.